Welcome in another episode of the Fan Section Podcast. This is a Fan Section Short. We're going to keep on rolling with our college basketball conference previews. Uh, we've covered already the Pac-12 Conference and the ACC Conference. And now today we are going to be diving into the Big 12 Conference. Uh, you know how it goes here. Alan and I at this point, we're just a couple buddies talking college dropping knowledge. From the bleachers to the suites, row 100 to three to 300, and uh, and again, you know, get in there, send us some emails, give us some feedback. If there's specific content or anything you want us to be discussing, Alan and I are going to continue on with our uh, weekly uh, recaps and previews, as well as some joint content. But for now, we're doing the basketball previews, and so let's take a little look at a recap of how the Big 12 performed last year. Big 12 Conference basketball, obviously the Baylor Bears won the national championship, finishing with a record of 28-2. Second in the conference was Kansas, followed by Texas, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma. All seven of those teams ended up getting an invite to the NCAA tournament. And then the final three teams were TCU, Kansas State, and Iowa State. Iowa State finished 2-22, 0-18, Serious issues in Ames, serious rebuild necessary there. Uh, With that being said, though, let's go ahead and dive into my preview of of each of the teams that that are going to be a factor in the Big 12 uh, Conference this year. First, we have the the team that I think will win the Big 12 this year, the Texas Longhorns. They are fourth-ranked team in the country in my power rankings. Finished third in the conference last year with a record of 19-8, and 11-6 in the conference. You know, Texas had a really up-and-down season last year. Like I mentioned, they finished the season 19-8, but they had three wins over Kansas, both home and away during the regular season, and one win in the conference tournament. Tell me who has ever beaten Kansas three times in the same season. That's impressive. And then they went on to win the Big 12 Conference Tournament championship game only to enter the NCAA tournament as a three seed and lose in the opening round to 14 seed Abilene Christian. Just too much chaos. You had the issues with Greg Brown, some emotional maturity issues on the team. Anyways, long story short, Shaka Smart moves on to coach at Marquette, and in comes Chris Beard, who took Texas Tech to the national championship game in 2019. Andrew Jones and Courtney Rainey returned to head up a very seasoned and talented backcourt. Through the transfer portal, Beard brought in forward Timmy Allen from Utah to replace the loss of freshman standout Greg Brown that I was just mentioning, as well as um, uh, Greg Brown, who left for the NBA, as well as uh, Creighton transfer Christian Bishop. And he'll be probably charged with replacing the loss of Jericho Sims from last year's team. The one weakness of this team was exposed, I think, in the game last night against Gonzaga, in which they lost. Uh, it was a lack of size underneath the hoop. I mean, Drew Timmy went for 37 points, and the Gonzaga freshman Chet Holmgren just got all the rebounds that he wanted. That's clearly a problem that Chris Beard's going to need to work on. Obviously, you can't grow your players taller, but you can work on some defensive sets to prevent the liability underneath the hoop. I will say, though, Texas did show some fight in that game. I had predicted that Gonzaga would win that game so that my numbers are not really affected by that outcome. Um, however, you know, and they ended up losing by 12 points. So it, it was, they were in it for most of the game, but in it as in between 12 and 15 down. It was never crazy close, but, but they competed. They played tough and they competed. 
Um, but I'll tell you, Minnesota transfer Marcus Carr needs to be more effective on offense than he was in the game against Gonzaga. Scoring only 11 points on 30% shooting, that's that's just not going to cut it. They need a lot more production out of him. That's what they were expecting when they got him through the transfer portal. Uh, the Longhorns have a ton of talent, and they will improve as the season moves on. I am confident that they are a top eight, maybe even a top five team in the country. Their next five games should be easy wins, and then they play a pretty gifted Seton Hall squad. That that could be a slip-up overlook game there, but I think Texas should not lose again until conference play, and they'll roll into conference play ranked in the top ten in the country. I have them going 28-3, and 16-2 in the conference. Second in the Big 12 conference, I have the aforementioned Kansas Jayhawks. I do have them as my third-ranked team in my power rankings. So they are ranked ahead of Texas in my power rankings. However, they have a slightly more difficult schedule, and uh, that's why I have them finishing second in the conference. Uh, they did finish second in the conference last year, 21-9, and 12-6 in conference play. Kansas earned a three-seed last year and lost in the second round to a very hot USC Trojan squad. Kind of a letdown for Kansas last year. Uh, and, and I will tell you, it wasn't just that they lost, but how they lost had people scratching their heads. USC beat them 85-51. to 51. I mean, it was just a straight blowout. And Kansas only shot 29% from the field, 24% from three-point range, right? That's a, lot, that's a real big problem. That's something that... Um, that uh, uh, Bill Self worked on trying to get supplemented through recruiting and through the transfer portal. Uh, Ochai Abaji is the clear leader of this team at this point, and they brought in some more uh, scoring threats, like I mentioned, in Arizona State transfer Remy Martin, who is already being rumored as a possible conference player of the year, and uh, Drake transfer Joseph Yesifu. He averaged 23.5 points per game in the NCAA tournament last year. Uh, 6'10 big man David McCormack returns to terrorize the glass and is joined by the number 10 rec- uh, ranked forward recruit in the country, Zach Clements. He's, I was a little underwhelmed by him uh, in the game earlier this, uh, this season that I, that I watched Kansas play. Uh, in their first game of the season, though, Ochai Abaji dropped 29 points against a much improved Michigan State squad. Abaji will need to carry this, uh, this this team and the scoring until the rest of the team can kind of settle in and gel. Like I said, ultimately, Remy Martin is going to have to produce a lot more, as well as they want to get production out of Joseph Yesifu. It shouldn't all fall on Ochai Abaji's shoulders. Uh, you do have Mitch Lightfoot and Christian Brown uh, who return, and they're still very capable of being lethal from three. Even though they, they kind of disappeared in the tournament last year, they are very capable of heating up quickly. Similar to UCLA, as I mentioned in the Pac-12 preview, this team could face issues with getting so many star players enough touches. However, I give them the nod. Um, I give them the nod of being second in the conference, just because uh, you know the only real production loss is Miles Garrett, and he was really a non-factor down the stretch last year. Uh, that might even be kind of an addition by subtraction type of situation. Bill Self is still one of the best coaches in the game, and Kansas has won outright or had a share of the Big 12 Conference title in eight of the last ten seasons. So you can never count them out. They don't play another single ranked team until January 29th now, uh, when they will head uh, when they will host Kentucky. I see this team getting off to a very hot start, especially now that they got over that hurdle of Michigan State. I have Kansas finishing 25 and 4, 14 and 4 in the conference. 
And now that brings us to my third ranked team in the Big 12, the reigning national champion, Baylor Bears. Last year, obviously, they finished first in the in the nation. Um, I mean, first in the nation, yeah, first in the conference as well. 28-2, and 13-1 in conference play. Probably the best news for the reigning champion Baylor Bears is that Scott Drew seems to be in it for the long haul. And that's great for the Big 12, I think, too. And basketball in general. <clears throat> he was rumored in the offseason to be a candidate for the Texas, Texas Tech and Arizona jobs, um, but he didn't even interview for any of them. It it's, it's truly is remarkable when you look at the long road back from oblivion that Scott Drew has taken Baylor on. Just to refresh your memory, Baylor's program was immersed in a storm of both academic fraud and allegations of paying players uh, beginning in the fall of tw- uh, 2002. The story hung over their head uh, and the head of the program as the NCAA kicked off their full investigation. Baylor, having finished 19-12 and 12 in 2001, appeared to be kind of on a trajectory to challenge for the Big 12 title in the next few years. However, they finished 14-14 and 14 in 2002 and 14-16 and 16 in 2003. Ultimately, the drama reached its peak in the summer of 2003 when a player on the team, Carlton Dotson, murdered his teammate, Patrick Dennehy. This is still, uh, as far as I know, the only recorded incident of murder between two active players in an NCAA setting. There's a fantastic documentary uh, by Showtime called Disgrace that details this sordid affair. It's, It's a really interesting story that not many people know about. But so Scott Drew was hired that very next season. And in his first three years in Waco, his team averaged only seven wins as the NCAA just straight dropped the hammer on the program. The former coach Dave Bliss was found to have paid the tuition of two players and he attempted to conceal it from the NCAA. The program was charged with failure to report positive drug test results by athletes and a general complete failure to exercise institutional control over the program. Baylor was hit with a three-year postseason ban. Uh, They were only allowed to play 17 games in the 2005-2006 season, seven years of restricted scholarships, and limited recruiting windows. This is what's crazy. The entire Baylor athletic department was decertified and required to completely reinstate the program with the NCAA. Like, this was a massive, massive situation. Uh, so that should, you know, put in a little more perspective how great it was uh, for them to finally come all the way back and win the national ch- championship last season. As for the t- uh, as for the 2021 Bears squad, uh, it's almost an entire reshuffle. They lose their entire backcourt in Jared Butler, Macy Oteague, and Davion Mitchell, all of them off to the NBA, as well as their just straight junkyard dog glue guy, Mark Vital, who now plays in the NFL, actually. Uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs as a tight end. That means the Bears will still need to, will need to replace 51 points and 16 rebounds per game. That's, that's a massive reshuffle. But junior guard Adam Flagler, who averaged 9 points, 2 assists a year ago, will step in at the point. And Scott Drew uh, brought in senior Arizona transfer James Akinjo to provide production at the two-guard spot. Akinjo averaged 15 points, 5.5 assists per game last year. Uh, Joining those two in the starting lineup are returning starters Matthew Meyer uh, at forward and the center Flo Thamba. Those two are both exceptional uh, talents, probably both uh, second or third team, all Big 12. 
And the number 17 recruit in the country, Kendall Brown, will be starting at the power forward position. Coming off the bench, the Bears still have one of the most exciting players in the country, in my opinion, in the big man Jonathan Chamwachachua. You may hear him referred to on TV as Everyday John. He pulled down 10 rebounds in just 21 minutes on the court in their first game this year. Uh, Late in December, Baylor hosts Villanova. That is going to be a marquee matchup. Villanova looked very, very good at UCLA. And then Baylor travels to Oregon the very next game. It may take you know, uh, this new roster a little time to get uh, gelled together. Um, but if they can win those two games, I think the Bears could be a legit contender uh, for the title again. So for those of you tracking at home, there are three teams, I think, out of the Big 12 who have a legit chance to make the Final Four at least. Uh, I have Baylor finishing 24-4, and 14-4 and in the conference I think when it comes to seeding in the tournament, you could very well see all three of these teams, Texas, Kansas, and Baylor, on the two-seed line when you look at your bracket. Fourth in the Big 12 Conference, I have the Texas Tech Red Raiders. They're the 24th-ranked team in my power rankings. They finished sixth last year, 18-11, and 9-8 in the conference. And, you know, well, Coach Beard jumped ship to lead the Texas Longhorns, and... This is the beginning of the Mark Adams era in Lubbock. Mark Adams was a, a coordinator for um, Chris Beard. And so, you know, we'll, we'll see how that transition takes place. The Red Raiders really underperformed expectation last year, in my opinion, finishing only 18-11 and 11 and bowing out of the NCAA tournament in just the second round. Shooting guard Mac McClung is off to the NBA. I, I can't tell you how many games last year I saw. It must have been five or six where – he hit a big shot, three or something, at the end of the game to seal a victory for this Texas Tech squad. That is that that kind of mojo, that Mamba mentality, as Kobe Bryant would describe it, uh, is just really, really rare. And so it, it, we'll have to see if they, how and if they're able to replace that. Uh, uh, let's see. And their star guard off the bench, Kyler Edwards, transferred to an already stacked Houston Cougar squad. So Houston, I think, is legit. They are for real. They come back. Kelvin Sampson has got something cooking in Houston. But back to Texas Tech, uh, Terrence Shannon Jr., who started last season uh, at guard, and Kevin McCuller are returning to make one of the you know one of the more experienced backcourts in the conference, despite the losses that they've seen. Oral Roberts stud uh, forward Kevin O'Banner transfers in and will certainly be a star as he averaged uh, almost 19 points per game last season. You also have Marcus Santos Silva returning for his senior season after averaging seven uh, rebounds a game last year. This is a veteran squad, uh, but they're very small, like short in stature, and not highly recruited. The Red Raiders could be a sleeper this season, uh, but they have one of the more difficult schedules in the conference. And the coaching change, the combination of all those factors kind of have me believing they're, you know, this is a 9 or 10 loss team. I do think they'll make the NCAA tournament. I have them going 22 and 9, 11 and 7. Next, I have the Oklahoma State Cowboys. And boy, have they been in the news. <laughs> I have them ranked number 29 in my power rankings. They finished last season 5th in the conference, 21 and 9, 11 and 7 in conference play. I am, I am really high on their head coach, Mike Boynton. 
Last season, he took a very, very young team to the Big 12 Tournament Championship game, only to lose to Texas, uh, and was one of only two teams in the entire country all year to beat the Baylor Bears. The Cowboys tallied eight wins last year over top 15 teams. It was really, really impressive. Now, obviously, they had Cade Cunningham, and he's gone now, but they still have a very talented team. Now, just last week, the NCAA made their decision on Oklahoma State's appeal of a postseason ban. This ban was a result of recruiting violations discovered by the FBI under Travis Ford's time as coach. You may remember this is also the investigation that all but led to Sean Miller being fired at Arizona. There were many other coaches implicated, uh, Rick Pitino, uh, obviously Andy Enfield at USC. It's it's kind of interesting when you look at it and think about how each program has handled it differently uh, and how different punishments have come down differently from the NCAA. Um, but uh, from everything I'm seeing, this looks like it was just a classic NCAA overreaction, just kind of like they're trying to flex their muscles to display that they still matter after co- college football basically made them irrelevant, whether it be between the playoff committee or uh, name, image, and likeness, and all these different th- factors, and think conference expansion. I mean, all of these things just make the NCAA look silly. Uh, and so this you know, might have been kind of a power move to take back a little bit of <clears throat> control in a sport that they do control, which is, you know, the uh, NCAA tournament is like, the, it's far and away the number one revenue generator for the NCAA every year. Um, but... As far as the team on the court for 2021, Oklahoma State has a conference-leading 81 uh, returning minutes played. The only major hole to fill is that hole left by Kate Cunningham, and it's a big hole. He averaged 20 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists a game last year. Their next four top scorers, though, from last year return in Avery Anderson and Isaac Likely in the backcourt, and Caleb Boone and Matthew Alexander Moncrief in the post. This team has a lot of talent, but there could be issues with motivation, knowing that you have a postseason ban. And yes, that includes conference championship uh, tournament as well. Uh, the, the Cowboys play a sneaky tough early schedule with some of the tougher mid-major teams in the country in Oral Roberts and Wichita State and Xavier. They also play Houston and a pretty good USC team in January. Sophomore guard and Kansas transfer Bryce Thompson yeah, I think you could see him get some good minutes as Boynton is you know, kind of well aware at this point that this season is about setting up next season. And this is a program, I do believe, that is on the rise. Oklahoma State, I have projected to go 21-10, and 10-8 and 8 in the conference. They, they, would, they would make the NCAA tournament if not for the ban. So because of the ban, they will not be making the NCAA tournament. Next, I have ranked number 39 in the country in the power rankings, the West Virginia Mountaineers. They finished fourth in the conference last year, 19 and 10, 11 and 6 in conference play. West, you know, like I said, West Virginia just finished the season 19 and 10 last year and lost in the second round of the tournament to 11 seed Syracuse. The loss of Deuce McBride to the NBA is a real blow for the Mountaineers this season. However, forward Gabe Osaboyan returns as, I mean, undeniably the league's best defensive player. And Taz Sherman and Sean McNeil are dependable scorers in the guard spot. Unless the Mountaineers can get like 15 a night or so from sophomore forward Jalen Bridges, I think they're going to have a tough time making the tournament. 
I have them as a bubble team right now. We know that Bob Huggins' coach teams are going to be tough, but who's the go-to guy? When the game is on the line, you know, who's the Deuce McBride of this team? I'm not entirely – I think they're going to try and have Taz Sherman fill that role, but we'll see, we'll see how that plays out. Also, I think it's worth note, the loss of Oscar Shibway, uh, who transferred midseason last year to Kentucky, leaves the Mountaineers with, with a real lack of size on the court, and that makes getting rebounds and you know, sustaining possessions after a missed shot very difficult. Oscar Shibway, by the way, is playing some phenomenal basketball for Coach Calipari and Kentucky right now. So I, I don't know what all went into that midseason transfer, but I think Kentucky got the better of that move. And then the only other team that I think had could have any potential of making the NCAA tournament, I have them ranked number 42 in my power rankings, are the Oklahoma Sooners. They finished seventh last year, 16 and 11, 9 and 8 in the conference play. The Sooners finished last season in a pretty underwhelming fashion. They drew an eight seed in the NCAA tournament and lost in the second round to Gonzaga. Porter Mosier, the Loyola Chicago head coach, comes in after Long Kruger retired. Oklahoma loses their leading scorer, rebounder, and assist man in Austin Reeves to the NBA. They also lose Brady Manick and Davion Harmon through the transfer portal. You know, so they just got really pilfered. Uh, really, I mean, from their coach to any any and all of their major contributing players uh, have left. However, Porter Mosier has been active in the transfer portal himself, and I think he did a pretty good job of filling some of the gaps. In comes Tanner Groves, who was the Big Sky Player of the Year in, at Eastern Washington last year, averaged 17.2 points per game. He had 18 in their season opener, by the way. So he his, his scoring has transitioned. Elijah Harkless is back, and he'll be paired with the Duke transfer Jordan Goldwire, which was another, I think, real good get in the transfer portal. And that's going to make a very experienced backcourt. You have a number of really experienced season backcourts in the Big 12. The guard play is going to be off the chain this year in the Big 12, uh, in my opinion. This team doesn't have a ton of top-end talent. Like I said, they're very experienced. but And and because of that, they could give some of the younger teams difficulty. But Oklahoma travels to Florida and then gets Arkansas at home in December. And I think if they lose both of those games, then I think we're looking at a team that doesn't make the tournament. I have them finishing 18 and 11 and 9 and 9 in the conference. So we will have to see how that plays out for the Sooners. Obviously, then I have third from last in the conference, the Texas Christian Horn Frogs. Then Kansas State, 115th ranked power rating. And then the worst team in the conference, Iowa State Cyclones, 133rd in the country. So with that being said, maybe let's take a quick look at some of the players to watch. The uh, preseason player of the year, according to the media, Marcus Carr at Texas. He, uh, he is, he's a straight sensational player, but I thought he, he really didn't perform all that well in their first game um, against Gonzaga. And let me see if I can find his numbers here. Yeah, 11, like I mentioned earlier, 11 points on 30% shooting for the Minnesota transfer. He has the potential. He played wonderful for Minnesota last year. So we'll, we'll, he'll have to step up his play if, if, uh, if he's going to be the player of the year in the conference. Like I mentioned, projected best defensive player in the conference, Gabe Asaboyan from West Virginia. He, he's a fun kind of rim rocker guy. I, I just wonder what it would be like if you could group him 
and Oscar Shibway under the rim. I mean, that would be block block city, block party every every night in Morgantown. But I, I mentioned Jonathan Chamochachua at Baylor, and the newcomer of the year is the Arizona State transfer Remy Martin to Kansas. Kind of strange because Marcus Carr is also a newcomer of the year. So, but anyways, first team all Big Twelve. The senior guard from Kansas, Ochai Abaji, who is just sensational. Then you have uh, the aforementioned Marcus Carr, Matthew Meyer from Baylor, David McCormack, the big man from Kansas, and then Terrence Shannon Jr. at Texas Tech. A couple of other players to keep an eye on to potentially get on that first team All-Big 12 team. Adam Flagler, like I mentioned, the guard from Baylor. Remy Martin, the Arizona State transfer. Courtney Rainey from Texas. And Timmy Allen, the transfer in to Texas as well. It's going to be a fun, fun year in the Big 12. Like I said, I think the real thing to watch is going to be the guard play. It should be phenomenal. A ton of talent, a ton of experience in the backcourt for each of these teams. When you, when you think about how the Big 12 got seven teams into the NCAA tournament last year, I think you'll be surprised that they only get five or six this year. Just keep in mind, Oklahoma State would have made it, but they have that postseason ban, and so that would sort of explain that situation. But with that being said, let's go ahead and wrap this up. This has been the Fan Section Podcast, our preview of Big 12 basketball Thanks for joining, and we're out.